Well, you know, I'm always encouraged um, when I hear or watch that video that through Christ your life can be changed. How many of you are experiencing transformation? I hope so. I don't know. Me too. When I look in the mirror, is there any transformation? I know, you know, in the physical, there's a lot going on every day. Maybe there's some more wrinkles. Maybe there's some more gray hair. Maybe there's some more, you know, extending, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, We want to speak positively. That's right. I was like, who's talking? Um, It's (laughs) You're throwing me off. (laughs) Um, You know, and you do those things, and you think transformation is a wonderful thing. And uh, yesterday I was in Milton. And uh, one of my friends, he looked really different. I thought, there's something different about you. And he was, you know, he's always a go-lucky kind of guy, smiling, happy. I'm like, no, that's not it. (laughs) That's not it. He's like, well, I had Botox. I'm like, I thought something looked different because his, you know, his eyebrows were up a bit and his forehead had no more wrinkles. I was like, it's amazing. It's a miracle. He's like, yeah, I had Botox. And so I was like, tell me about this Botox. And I had to admit, it was a perfect segue in thinking about this message, that when you see people's lives change, even, you know, slightly, it makes you step back and go, did you do something with your hair? Did you change something? There's something different about you. And I like to say and encourage you this afternoon that that's the same thing that happens by our faith in Jesus Christ. Surely, day by day, we're being transformed. My family knows it when they look at me, especially my brother, because we spend a lot of time together. Right, bro? There's always change that's happening across the way. And so what I want you to be encouraged with this afternoon as you're, you know, whether you're amening during this message or the person beside you, feel free to say to each other, you're being changed. I see some change in you. <laughs> so that's what we're going to be doing today, kind of an interactive message. I see some change in you. I already see some interactions going on. I see some change in you. Romans 8, chapter 8, I know many of us quote these words from time to time, in and out of every season in our life. It says this, we know that in all things they work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that we would be the firstborn, or sorry, that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The reason why we're looking at this passage is because it speaks to transformation and it speaks to the O in the word, the touch of God. Today we're talking about being ordained, being called, which also means to be appointed by God. And so we're looking at this invitation, invitation above every other invitation that now because we believe in Christ, the moment that you profess faith in him, a transformation occurred. Jesus said, within you will, will swell a spring of life-giving water. It'll bubble up. It'll bubble up. Your life will never be the same. Here's an invitation, a promise, if you will. Your life will never be the same because you're being transformed into the image of Christ. There's a lot of people that we imitate our life after. I mean, if I was to ask you, who are your heroes? I'm sure you would list a few. And not to put anybody on the spot, how many would say, Jesus is my hero? I asked myself this question this week. It's something I like to do whenever I'm working on a message. You know, I like to put myself in the seat of the ones being, you know, preached to. 
What would my response be? Jesus wasn't my first answer, if I'm really being honest. And it, it makes you think, what are, these, what are these qualities, what are these things about Christ and what he did that motivated, that captivated so many people? His life was truly transformational. And so I want you to consider those words that we just looked at, that those he predestined, he called, and those he called, he justified, which means you've been made right with God. And so the fact that you believe in him, you've been made right with God today. And so we're going to move to the point of where Jesus has called all of us. Where Jesus has appointed all of us to follow after him. So I'm going to invite you to turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is one of those other famous passages of scripture that are, you know, preached many times. And I'm sure even in your own devotional time over a cup of coffee or tea or whatever it is that you enjoy partaking, that you've probably read this passage of scripture many times. And it's a wonderful reminder. You can never hear it enough. So in John chapter 15, some of your Bibles may title it, The Vine and the Branches or Christ-like Love. Christ-like love. And so I'm going to read this passage with you, and I want you to imagine that Jesus is right here with you, because he is. He's in your heart. And imagine him, you feel free if you want to close your eyes, imagine him speaking these words to you. He says, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. He pr prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, because you've been justified. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers away. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. And as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you, so remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Don't miss this part. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made, to know, made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. 
So there's a lot that's going on in this passage, and you can see this invitation as we who believe in Jesus, who have been called by him, been invited to follow after him. He says, when you're in me, when you follow after me, where I'm the vine, the true vine, that spring of life, you're going to produce fruit. It's going to bud. It's going to blossom when you remain in me, when you look to me, when I'm your hero in this life in many respects. And so as we look at this passage, there's a few things that I want to draw out with you this afternoon. The first thing he says here in verse 12, he says to love one another as I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down his life for his friends. I have to admit, when I was reading this passage, it really took me back for a moment to realize like, hey, you know, I am one within Jesus' fold, like a mother hen that he says that gathers his chicks under his wings. I'm within that fold. I am under his protection, and yet he's kept me completely in the loop. He hasn't kept precious information or the plans of the Father from us. He's kept us informed. And as I'm reading this passage, I can see here the key to this fruit, this creed to this budding, this blossoming is remaining in the love that he has for us and letting that carry over into our love for one another. In many ways, this carries over from last week about showing honor for one another, especially at the very least, even if people do things you don't quite understand or you're uncomfortable with, to remember that if they believe in Christ, they're part of his family. They're members in his family. And so as we look at the rest of this passage, just a few things to put out here is that when we want to live different, the way to live different is to love different. The way to live different is to love different. Here, Jesus, as he's sharing this, this is leading up to the time when he tells him, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to face opposition. You're going to have difficult times ahead, but you're going to need each other. The world is going to hate you because they hated me first. So you can't go in alone. You can't go in like a lone ranger. And there's many movies out there in Hollywood. You know, I'm even one that's even watched some of these where you have that, that lone ranger, that special operative that goes in, whether it's Schwarzenegger or whoever, and they go in and save the day. Here Jesus is telling his followers, you're going to need each other. And the way that you stay together like a band of brothers is keeping that love for one another, even when they maybe tick you off. These are just things, I'm just being honest and being transparent with you. These are the things that were swirling through my mind as I was reading this passage. Today I want to be very practical and transparent with what I got out of this passage of Scripture. And so he says, to love each other as I have loved you, as I have loved you. So in many respects, he's setting the bar. He's setting the measure, isn't he? You ever been in a place of work where you show up, but you kind of feel like you're not really welcome? You ever had that experience? I see a few heads nod. Yeah, we've all had those experiences, right, where someone says, oh, hey, brother, how you doing? Good to see you. You walk away, they're like, it's not really good to see you, you know. That happens. This happens. Here along the way, the followers of Christ, there was one in that number who was going to betray Christ. Judas was one of that fold, one of that number, and who Jesus called by invitation to follow after him. And yet, 
for purpose of scripture, for the time of fulfillment, for all things to be fulfilled within the plan of God, Judas would, you know, succumb to temptation and betray Christ. And in that moment, all the followers could have just gave up. I mean, how could one of our number, how could one of our fold betray Jesus, the Son of God? And you can see that that could quickly spread like wildfire. You ever had that experience, whether it's in a workplace or with close friends, that when one friend and another have a falling out, it kind of spreads like this, this disease. <laughs> and you start to get your backs up and you start to take one person's side over the other. You ever had that happen? So I can't help but think like, man, Jesus is setting these guys up to remember you're going to need each other in the face of opposition. Even when one of your own turns his back on Christ, do not forget the love that you have for one another. And so he sets himself as, as the measure. He hasn't set another hero within their midst, another religious leader. Jesus sets the bar that he himself is. Love one another as I have loved you. They saw how Jesus, he entertained sinners. He got right into the thick, he got right into the fold, and yet, like we looked at last week, he didn't succumb to this temptation or the sin of the people he was interacting with. His love still remained true as he spoke truth in those situations. Let's look to 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 for a moment. Because in these words he says, I told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. And so one of Jesus' followers, John, who is a witness to these words, to all the even opposition to Christ by religious leaders and people alike, he really took a hold of this. He understood what Jesus was saying. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, he says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. This is something at times that'll be uncomfortable. And as I was reading this part of scripture, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul told the Galatian church in chapter 6, verse 14 or 20 around there, he said that since the love of Christ compels us and we've all been persuaded, we've come to this conclusion that Christ died for all, that he died for all so that the life they now live, they would live to the one who died for them. And he says to them, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In this life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Here in this vine and the branches, Jesus is saying, you can do nothing apart from me. If you cease to believe in me, if you cease to have faith in me, your talents are only going to get you so far. Even your camaraderie with one another is only going to get you so far. Your bond of love has to be founded on me and me alone. Imagine if the followers of Christ, their bond of love was established on the system, the religious system. Well, that was going to fail. Because at one point, their temple was destroyed. It was blown up in many respects. If it was founded upon a failing system, they would be distraught and destroyed. But Jesus is saying, anyone who trusts in me, who believes in me, will bear much fruit. Will bear much fruit. Jesus said in uh, chapter 14, he says, In the way to the Father, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, 
you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Yeah, I've seen him. You know, when he says that you've seen the Father, I couldn't, to be very transparent, if he was here right now, if Christ was here in the flesh, would I be able to acknowledge that, you know, he truly was the Son of God? Would I be able to see the transformation? Would I be able to see those indicators? Would I be able to see the path that he was blazing? And would I want to follow after him on that narrow path? And he's reminding them, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father because the fullness of God dwelled within him. And yet these words wash over me. They should wash over us to remember what he's saying to his followers here, that when you set me as the standard for your life, when you're seeking to live different, to love different, that when I'm your common bond, that you'll actually be able to love differently. You'll actually be able to love differently. One of my favorite stories in Scripture, just thinking of it now, I can't remember the chapter and verse, but it's when Jesus is with the religious leaders. He's been welcomed to a house to eat, and he's sitting down, and who doesn't like to eat, right? And they're having a, you know, it could have been a banquet for all we know, because he, he, we know he was staying in a, a house of one who was well-to-do. And so it was, wouldn't just be bread and water. It would be probably very delicious, even delicacies. And while he's there, this woman comes in, and she's lived you know, a less than honorable life. She's been oppressed. She's engaged in sin. And yet in the moment, all you know, the, the, the peoples are getting up in arms like, Jesus, how can you welcome this person? How can you even talk to this lady? And even the, the, the sex of the person doesn't even matter. Whether male or female, they're saying, how can you talk to a sinner? And as he's talking to her, she had faith to belief by being in the presence, being in the proximity of Christ. And of course, I'm paraphrasing. Being in the proximity of Christ that her life could be transformed, that she could be set free from that which had shackled her, from that which had oppressed her. I really believe that. And in that moment, as she had that faith, Jesus said that your, your faith, by your faith, that you've been forgiven. And those who have been forgiven much love much. Those who have been forgiven much love much. And I didn't plan on sharing that, uh, that story, that passage of Scripture, but I can't help but think when he says, you know, love one another as I have loved you, when we realize that we've all been forgiven, when I've been forgiven us so much, that's going to be the fuel that's going to help us to love and forgive others, even when they wrong us. Let's go to verse 14. He says here, You are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. A servant doesn't know what his master is doing. You ever been in a place of work where, you know, the foreman or whatever just says, okay, I need you to do this, this, and this, and maybe you don't quite understand exactly why you're doing it, but you have to do it anyway? You ever had that happen? We've all been there. We've all had those times and places where we're not given an answer for what we're doing. And sometimes it puts us in the bad mood or a bad light, if you will. But again, to reiterate what I was sharing earlier, here Jesus is saying, hey, guys, I haven't held anything back from you. Unlike a servant who doesn't know what his master is doing, I'm letting you in on the ground floor. I'm letting you know, you know the up and up what the big plan, the purposes of God are. 
that plan that you've been predestined, you've been called, you've been made right. He's letting them in. He's letting them know everything that is part of the Father's plan. And so here they can really truly believe that Christ loves us. He really does care for us because he's not keeping anything from us. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. He says in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to produce fruit and that your fruit would last. And so you can imagine being one of that full gym and hearing these words like, wow, Jesus calls me a friend. I'm not on the outside. I'm on the inside. I'm part of his number. He's letting me in on the ground floor. And then he's saying that you're going you're gonna to produce, your life's going to mean something. How many people have always said, I want my life to mean something? I want my life to make a difference. A lot of movies are focused around that. A lot of books, the, some of the best sellers say, you know, live your best life now. Ten top you know, reasons of how or how you can accomplish this. You know, New York Best Time Sellers, all these books. I've bought a few. I was telling D.W. and Jess last week, one of my favorite books written by a pastor by the name of T.D. Jake says, what to do when you don't know what to do. And there's this list of things that you can do when you don't know what to do. And here Jesus is saying, look, you're going to produce fruit when you remain in me, when you trust in me, and when you trust in the words that I've given you, that I'm with you, and you're going to produce fruit when you remain in me. You see, the temptation was coming along the way through this oppression and this persecution. He knew that there would be temptation. He knew that one of his number could betray him. Even when they broke bread at communion, he said, one of you here will betray me. Yet it's hard for us to fathom that if, if Judas really had a come to Jesus moment where he fought the tempter, it wouldn't have been Judas, it would have been someone else. And yet God knew that the temptation that was being birthed in his heart, that he would succumb to that temptation. And here again, what is it that helps us to succumb to evil? What helps us to overcome evil? It's the good of the love of God in our heart that protects us, that binds us together. You had those experiences? I remember when I was traveling, I shared some of it last week on the road. And, you know, when you're on a road and uh, a bus full of many different kinds of people, and they're not all believers, and you're talking about life, you're talking about circumstance and difficulty, and everyone, you know, throws in their two cents of how to tackle different obstacles in one's life. And on this bus ride, I'm able to share my faith and my limited perspective at the time, even though I'm still, you know, I'm growing, I'm growing in faith. And we're talking about a lot of different circumstances, relationships, and, you know, whether God is real and if the church really makes a difference. I mean, you name it, we were talking about it. And I remember at one point in time, on one of these bus rides, there was someone on this ride that I could tell was really deeply hurt. Had ex an experience that I, I can't even repeat, but they had lost all faith that there was even such a thing as God. And if there was a God, has definitely left them out, fed them to the wolves. And in talking and sharing, I was able to say, you know, I've, I've never walked in your shoes. I wouldn't want to walk in your shoes. But I believe that the grace of God in my life that, it, that invites me to follow him, that brings wholeness and, and healing to my heart and to my mind, can be yours also, but you, you really do need to want this, this relationship. 
And here in many respects, if I'm explaining this well, that in life here, Jesus is reminding his followers that when you face difficulty, even difficult questions, that it's this love of God and love for each other that's going to enable us to see through the day, even in the tough, tough uh, discussions or questions. Look what he says here at the end. He says, you know, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. And so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. You see what he's doing here? He's encouraging them to have this measure of love. He's the measure of love. It's not John. It's not Peter. It's not James. It's Jesus. And as they're looking to one another, he doesn't want them to solely focus on each other or solely look to each other for strength and hope. He's reminding them. See what he's doing? Remind them to look to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, when you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. He's reminding us the importance of prayer, praying to the one that loves us, that his love overflows in our hearts so that we can share this love with others. We looked at last week, sometimes, you know, when you, when you see a person that squandered in many ways the grace of God and lived their life in a way that's contrary to what you believe, we can get up in arms. We can get upset. You know, God, how could you, you know, welcome this person back? And I'm not going to repeat because, you know, preached it last week. But this happens probably to all of us if we're really being honest. Can't begin to tell you that I have a lot of these repetitive conversations with some dear close friends of mine. And it's almost like, you're a hamster on a wheel, and you keep having the same conversation over and over again. I'm not making fun of them, because I don't have all the answers. But here, when we don't know what to do, when we lean into the love that we have in Christ, that commonality, and we remember that when we ask him in our hour of need, God, I need your help. I need you to give me the words. Help us. Help me. That he says, I will give whatever you ask the Father in my name. And so when we say, Lord Jesus, or Heavenly Father, you told Christ that we would do these works that he's done and even greater works because he's going to the Father. He said he came to seek and save the lost, that they would be freed from the curse of sin and death. I mean, if we really believe that, we can walk into situations when someone comes into the room, falls at the feet, I'm not saying that's going to happen like what happened with Christ with that, um, that w- woman that was in, uh, you know, oppressed and living a sinful life, but when those cir- circumstances come, that when we're leaning in through prayer and remembering the love that we have of God, that we're going to be able to actually have those tough conversations. And so he says, he repeated many times, love one another, love one another, love one another. Love one another. This is the invitation. This is the invitation that he gives us to love one another, that he's the measure of that love. For a moment, I wasn't planning on going there, but I want to turn to another part of Scripture for a moment. Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, I think it shows this determination of love. This love isn't something that you just gloss over everything. It's not just the sugar that you sprinkle over things. It doesn't mean you turn a blind eye to things that are happening, wrong that's being done. But the greater wrong, the greater evil that we can do is if we retaliate in the situation. 
And so Jesus' followers, they didn't retaliate when Judas betrayed Christ. They were upset. But they didn't take matters into their own hands. But yet it makes me think something here. This is why we're going to turn to Luke 15. Is the last time I read my Bible, it didn't show any of the followers seeking after Judas. To talk to him. Say, Judas, brother, what are you doing? Why would, why, would, why would you sell out Christ for, you know, a bag of money? You might be wondering, well, why? Why would you even say those things? Well, the Apostle Paul who met Christ, who said that I don't need anyone to teach me. Jesus Christ himself taught me. He says that when someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should go and restore them gently. And I believe the Bible, the Word of God, isn't just written for specific people in history. I believe that even the letter written to Titus or, or Timothy or even the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, is written and also for us, that we can apply it to our lives. And yet the followers, they didn't go after Judas. And correct me if I'm wrong, if you're here today and you're like, no, I remember a passage of Scripture here where, no, the followers did go after Judas to try and restore him. And Jesus rightfully so, he pointed out to them that this had to happen, that this was all part of the plan of God, that he would be betrayed into the hands of men. We knew this had to happen, and yet the followers of Christ didn't go to restore their brother. Anyway, I find that very interesting because he says to love one another, even when they wrong you. So here's Luke chapter 15, and this shows, and the reason why I'm sharing this on top of that is Jesus said, as uh, written by uh, John, one of the followers said, that in this world we are like Christ. To where to follow and walk after Christ in this world. So look at Luke chapter 15. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Here's this reminder that the, the heaven and all the angels in heaven, the plan of God is for us to experience the kindness of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ, to, to come to him, to receive that invitation, to be transformed, to be one of his full. And sometimes, sometimes it takes you to leave the group, to leave that you know, comfortable space, and to go out and seek after that person that you know needs help. That person that maybe lost track of the sight, they've lost sight of the pack, for whatever reason, they've become weak, they've succumbed to circumstance or illness, whatever it may be, and you go and seek them out. And here I believe it's not just reserved for Christ because he says, the works that I have done, you will also do, and even greater works. And the greatest work and fruit that we produce in our life is a life that honors God, and what honors God is that people believe in the Son, and they receive Christ. And so here, Christ gives us an example of what love is like. He leaves the 99, and he goes out after even the one. 
even the one. So last week we looked at how the prodigal comes back. He's repented and he's had this change of heart. He comes back and his father welcomes him. Here, the father is going out to the one. And so if we're to be like Christ in this dark world, we need to muster up the courage by the love that he's given us to go into those spaces, to go into those dark places, not succumbing, not partnering with darkness, not partnering with evil, but overcoming that evil with the most important good that we can do. And it's sharing our testimony, reaching in and lifting them out of those places. Does that make sense? This passage, this parable, I was reading this last night. That's why I turned here. It caught my attention. And it's in the same passage or chapter that talks about the prodigal son and many other wonderful parables that Jesus shares. And so to bring this whole thing home, that when we look at this part of Scripture back in John 15 about saying, I'm the vine, the true vine, that when you're branched into Christ, you're going to produce much fruit. He's saying that greatest fruit is the love you have for each other and to you know, take that love, to minister that love to others. Sometimes that means stepping out of comfortable spaces and places and saying, God, you've called me to go out. You've ordained me to go into the world and preach the good news. Sometimes it'll be tough, but you said that you'll be with me, that you'll never forsake me. You'll give me the tools. You'll give me the gifts. You'll give me the ability to go into those situations. And at times, and maybe you might feel like putting you on the spot, but um, I'm trying to do this in the most delicate way. At times we can take a scripture that says, lead, lead a quiet and peaceful life. It also says, warn those who are idle. We are never meant to sit back to recline our lazy boy and rest in the grace of God. We were never intended to do that. Because he invites us. So in this parable, uh, story, sorry, he says that you will produce much fruit Ask anything in my Father's name, and I will do it. And so what are some of those places? When you think about the love of God in your life and what he's forgiven you of, and that love, that forgiveness that's washed over you, where are some of those places, faces, and spaces that you need to carry that love? And when you start to think about those things, you'll start to call on to him and say, I need your help in these areas. Show me the way. Encourage me how I can encourage others. And so we repeated this command many times. Love one another as I have loved you. This is truly, church, this is the obedience that is difficult for all of us. Because there's times I do, I, want, I have a nice lazy boy at home. There's times where I do want to kick back and just rest. Especially when there's tough, tough conversations to be had. As the worship team uh, comes back, I've been sharing with you, and I'm, I'm being completely transparent. This is truth, and you can keep me in prayer that every week I have probably now, the number's gone up, 10 to 15 emails now coming in from watching our online service. A lot of questions, a lot of hurt, a lot of people in dark places. And yet there are little sprinkles of wonderful testimonies and sharing of God has intervened in their life, of healings from different diseases and stuff. But it seems like right now that in my inbox are a lot of these really dark situations. A lot of people have lost hope. And I can't help but think that some of them are like one of those sheep that have left and even isolated themselves. And I'm encouraged yet that each one of you have been gifted, have been 
appointed with different gifts and abilities by the power of the Holy Spirit to reach into situations, to minister to people, to encourage them, to lift them up with the same love that you've received from Christ. Because remember what we said at the very beginning. You turned to the person beside you and said, you know, you're a changed person. You're being changed. You look different today. And so my encouragement to you this afternoon as you go is be reminded as the Lord's transforming you by his, the forgiveness you experienced, by the tremendous love that you experienced because of everything that he has done. When we, when we focus on that, when we are binded together by that love, it's going to fuel us. And as we partner with the Holy Spirit, we're going to be able to reach into people's lives and believe that their life will be transformed. And don't get me wrong, as the worship team prepares, I'm not talking about behavior modification. I'm not talking that we're a bunch of therapists and we're walking around and we're making the change. So there's, just putting a disclaimer out there, especially on YouTube, this last section, don't just, you know, repeat just this last section, is that he calls us all, he transforms us all, and the Holy Spirit is the one who does that work, but he invites us as we speak out and share of what he's done in our life, how we've never been the same. And so when we go out in those places, he speaks through us. His love washes over us, but it's meant to spill over. It's meant to wash over like a tidal wave. And hopefully, my prayer for this afternoon, it'll splash over onto some friends, maybe even some people that you've just come into contact with that don't have that same relationship that you experience. Maybe it's someone that's fallen away from the faith. Maybe it's been tough. We know, we all know people that it's been very difficult even regardless of COVID, we all have different stories. And that's why I'm really encouraged by this group of assembly of believers. One of the key things, one of the things that we value is that we are all being transformed. And so we all have a story to share. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. And so for us truly to be able to do that, I want to invite us to respond and worship, to worship God for his love that he has for us, to welcome him into our presence to say, Lord, continue to transform me. Continue to bind me by your word that I may produce fruit and fruit that will last. And I want you to know here today that he's pleased with you. When you're thinking these thoughts, he's pleased by you. He's pleased by you. Let's worship him together. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 8 says this, that you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives within you. This is the same Holy Spirit where he opened up the message this afternoon that we know that in all things they work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Jesus said his purpose is for us to produce fruit and fruit that will last. And he's going to do it by the power of his Holy Spirit because he loves us and he wants that love to be carried out to all the places where we go. And as we sing here, he's a good father. He's not going to leave us alone. He's not going to leave us without tools when we go to seek out the one that's outside the fold. Every procurement of heaven is at your backside. It's the wind in your wings, if you will. 
And he said that I'm faithful to do it. He's faithful to finish the good work that he's become in me, and he's beginning to continue to do within you. Amen? And so I just pray as we close this out that, Heavenly Father, thank you that you continue to just amaze us. You continue to do work even when we think it's impossible. Lord, I thank you that your word is able to speak, it's able to reach into every circumstance, every situation that we face. And that, Lord, I pray that the words that were meant to heard, be heard this afternoon would be heard and would be applied by the power of your Spirit. And, Lord, that your love that you have for us would bind us together. We would be united in the call, that appointment that you've given us to bear fruit. And so we invite you, bear that fruit in our life. May it overflow. May it spring forth, bud, and blossom in our life. Everywhere that we go, the conversations that we have. And Lord, help us to be real with people. Help us to be transparent. We don't have it all figured out. And that's why you're the measure of the love. That we're not the measure. You are. Thank you for this time that we've had together. That we can proclaim victory in your name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know,